Welcome back to another episode of Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., a Chief Information Security Officer. And today, we have a very exciting guest, longtime listener, first time in the hot seat, Maria Graham. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, we are thrilled. Why don't we start with a quick summary of how you got into cybersecurity sales. Okay, I would love to tell you my very interesting but not story about that. Um, I had uh, gone to school for education actually and had gotten pretty far down with that path and realized, nope, uh, for sure not for me. Moved back home with mom and dad and was bartending and slinging martinis left, right and center and decided to go back to school for business. Um, so when I was 24, I went back to school for business and decided I needed to get an internship or something to like learn what that was about since I had no experience whatsoever, found a position at Newspire and there we went. So I started there as an intern doing things like picking up dry cleaning and, and driving people's cars around and stuff like that. And wow. the sales side of stuff uh, was really intriguing to me. Um, so within a few short weeks, I got promoted and away we went. Oh, that is amazing. All right. Well, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked it for me. I I was very surprised that that's how it turned out. <laughs> I have a ton of empathy for that. I spent ten years working in the bars as a bouncer and bartender. So okay, I get it. I get it's it is what it is, but it's great. I love it. I love cybersecurity, and I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So it worked out for sure. Great. Well, let's get into it. This is the bare knuckles portion, and you're on the vendor side, which means the CISO gets first crack. Sweet. All right. Thanks, George. Um, Be nice. <laughs> I'm old and tired, Maria, okay? <laughs> to the point. I mean, just after traveling. So after traveling. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I might be a little bit train buzzed. It's okay. Business class has its perks. Uh, so, Maria, how did you discover us and uh, what turned you on to our show? I mean, to me... It's amazing to have you with us here tonight because I remember when you first started liking and commenting and following our posts and me asking George, like, who's this Maria lady, dude? <laughs> True story. I think that's how I found you was uh, social. I um, have been a longtime follower of another pod and, and audience first stuff and all that kind of stuff. And I would see George commenting, liking, and posting on a lot of the stuff within those channels and um, eventually started following him and saw him drop in the, the ad, you know, the links to your, to your episodes. And I think I've been listening for not since the big, I think the big, you guys, what, September, I think maybe is when you started yeah, this thing up. Like I think that. I started yeah. listening right, right between like Thanksgiving and, and Christmas time, the holiday season is when I started listening. Um, and then I really felt I really loved an episode that you did with Erica because it was just like a very raw, like it was almost kind of like, holy cow, this is like a very raw and, and, and like awesome conversation that is being had that is usually not something people have on these types of like platforms. So I, that's when I really started listening and started tagging and, and anybody, you know, anybody wants to know what do I listen to? You guys are usually right up there on the top of the list. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I found you LinkedIn. Thank you. Yeah. Love to hear it. All right. So getting into the sales side of things, um, just walk us through your process of prospecting or approaching a new account. Just keen to get your, your take on that. I think it, it changes, uh, like pretty frequently every six months or so. I feel like I have to revamp what I'm doing. 
Um, but always I am doing at least bare minimum research, getting on LinkedIn, getting on different social channels, trying to understand who I'm talking to as a human. Like mm -hmm. who is George the person <laughs> or George A in this case, the human and what is he like? What's his background? So I have some sort of context as to maybe how, how you think. Um, based on previous experiences, I do company research, although I don't tend to do as much crazy company research as a lot of other folks do, because um, that gets in my head sometimes and I feel like I'm over over preparing mm -hmm. and I get nervous. So I tend to focus more on the human rather than the company. From a company level, I like to know, like, what, are, what does the company do? Uh, are there any open positions available? And like, look at, you know, some of the public facing stuff if it's available. But for the most part, it's who's the person is human? Who's he connected to? Do we have any connections in common? Do we have anything in common? What, where, where did they go to school and that kind of stuff? And then just doing some random Google searches. So for me, mostly research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. So, um, you know, <laughs> sounds like the bare minimum to understand what the company does, but you would be surprised. <laughs> I know you would be, I get, I have a director title for some reason here at Newspire. So I get cold calls all the time and it's amazing. Like, some of the stuff that you see come in. It's it very fills me with an obscene amount of hope, though, um, that ultimately in your process, you are like dealing with the human being because at yes. the end of the day, that's who's signing off on your purchase. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I wish there were more of you immediately <laughs> without even getting into anything. <laughs> like stat. <laughs> I mean, I it's just the way I would, if you're going to call me and ask me to buy something, like at least get to like, you know, I have two kids. I post about them all the time. Like come mm -hmm. up with something that's like shows me you did like five seconds of effort instead of putting me through whatever automated tool you're using to pump stuff out. Yeah. So, so let me follow up there. So that was a lot of recon, a lot of research. So if you could walk me through that moment where you're like, okay, I feel like I, I have enough critical information here to do the first salvo you know what's that look like is it on linkedin is it through a mutual connection like what do you how do you feel that out um so for me most of what i would do i i like to try and find a mutual connection because if i have a mutual connection with somebody that already knows and trusts me and is willing and I'm very fortunate that almost everybody in my network, if I ask them to make an introduction, they're very willing to do so for me. I feel like mm -hmm. that's an easier way in and it cuts a lot of the bullshit right out of the way up front because I'm not going to have to tap dance to try to figure out what's the best way to communicate with this person over over 14 different mediums that are now available. Mm -hmm. um, and also that person knows, okay, even if you don't want to respond, the introduction came from somebody that I also know who apparently doesn't think she's a complete asshole. So maybe it's a conversation <laughs> just to get to know her. So like that is preferred for, for me. Um, now. And again, I think this shifts. I, I don't think emails work really. I have had horrible luck with emailing as in the mm -hmm. last probably eight months. Um, I, I know that I don't look at any of the cold emails I get. I just delete, 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 and then unsubscribe, put spam filters up and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So LinkedIn has been where all of, 2022, I think all but one of the leads that I had or, or, and that turned into a booking came from LinkedIn. Wow. That is, uh, that is remarkable. And I'm not like I mean, a social that... media, like I've had to learn how to use that tool because I'm not like great at it. So. Right. But let, let's like, if we go back to the origins, right, these platforms were called social networking and you were saying that, you know, you're, you have these referrals, which is built up on years of building trust. And so I think that really amplifies the power of a social network because it's built on genuine connections rather than, mm -hmm. 
you know, you follow everybody and they all follow you and you don't really know who they are and you're just gaming the numbers. So, I mean, I, I think that stands to reason. I think, I think there's also something to be said for like meaningful connections too, because, you know, George and I talk about this all the time. There, there are people that really take this whole like personal branding approach thing and just try to collect as many followers as possible, which, you know, I, I suppose depending on whatever you're pitching that that might have its value. But if you are an industry specific individual that is trying to utilize these platforms for a specific purpose, I think you're diluting your probability of success by just like overgeneralizing your content and overgeneralizing mm-hmm. your, your people. Like I'd rather have 2000 whatever followers that like I'm connected to at least, you know, 1500 of them and I know them or I've met them in person or there's some reason where I might want to reach out to them in the future. I think that's a lot more valuable than just like, trying to get attention and I, and I get really turned off by just like attention seeking. Ugh, me too. There is a, there is a person and it drives me nuts. Um, this individual comments on things that I post and then I will watch as the day goes on the same exact comment he posts on mine gets posted about 400 other people's things. So it's like, <laughs> I can, no. I, it, it makes me crazy. <laughs> I like do not like that. And I think, I mean, I remember connecting with both of you guys and I didn't know you, you didn't know me and I'm not trying to get in your face or sell you anything, but I did enjoy what you guys were doing. But I think I sent like a tailored note or something that was just like, Hey, love what you guys are doing. I love the conversation. with Eric. Like I try to at least make it so like, Hey, I'm not here to use you or abuse you or just get my name or my company in front of you. Like I want to, I want to connect with you for a very specific reason. Here's what it is. Yeah. You should run a workshop for all those, uh, Bangladeshi podcast people who keep reaching out to us be like, Hey, I saw you own bare knuckles and brass tacks. Can I offer you leads for whatever the hell? I know. I heard the episode on that one. You cracked me up. You're like, this is a passion project. <laughs> I, I listened to that one. You were cracking me up. But, but I will say, cause you, you talked about this We'll kind of go to the next question um, in your opening statement. So I, I kind of want to know from your research. And I love the fact that you put so much time into research how important would you say is being a technologist for the purpose of being a successful sales pro in cyber? Like what is your ratio of time spent between researching your solutions catalog and emerging tech trends versus client prospecting and development? I, okay. I'm probably going to get yelled at if anybody from my team listens to this, but I actually do think it's important that you understand what the hell you're talking about. Like I, like you need to understand technology don't come in here and start talking about letters and buzzwords and alphabet soup. I'm not saying I need to be uh, 10 feet deep in any one subject, but I need to know a little bit about all of the things enough so that you know that I'm credible. I, and I'm, and I'm usually very honest too. Like if I don't know something or, 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 or a tech, I just say, I don't, that's no clue what the hell that is. I'll have to put a pin in that one and go figure out what you're talking about. And I'll come back to you with that. But I do think it's important to spend a decent amount of your time as a salesperson understanding the technology as it pertains to not just whatever, especially in cyber you're selling, um, but all of the things. Because you know, chances are when you're talking to these people, they've got 30 projects they're working on and only mm-hmm. one of them or 0.5% is going to be something that you're going to hear and, and relate to what you do. And if you don't understand the entire landscape, you're not going to be able to align what you do to outcomes you're trying to achieve if you don't understand kind of the, the bare, the basics at least. Um, so I, I actually, I, I'm more technical than most. Um, I think I- George, does that got you, George, does that have you breathing a sigh of relief? Cause I, I feel like I saw, well, I think, <laughs> oh. 
what I'm what I'm hearing is, and this is like the important thing: you know enough to be dangerous. Yes, and that's re- that's that's the bar, dude. As a salesperson, yeah. that's literally all you have to know. Well, and also, I don't like I'm I don't want to sit on phone calls and not know what the hell's going on. Like that is mm-hmm. stupid. So if I'm sitting on calls and I'm bringing in SMEs from wherever I'm bringing in SMEs, or if I'm talking to a super technical CISO or practitioner. And I don't know what they're talking about. I just leave here depressed, feeling stupid because I don't, I can't participate in the conversation. And I like to talk, so I want to participate, right? Yeah, and I would say, I would say, as a key metric, if you're in sales and you didn't get to participate in that sales, you're not doing going something anywhere. wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, so to me, I spend probably more of my time doing that than I do focusing on super heavy pipeline generating activities, but that is only because I tend to, again, like I said, rely on network to help me with that pipeline generation. So Mm -hmm. um, yes, I probably spend today, I spent maybe two hours doing PG on LinkedIn and just outreach and getting conversations started or whatever. But the rest of the time was doing pipeline stuff, like working deals that I was working and then sitting down and trying to understand all of the caveats involved with licensing and the Microsoft security suite, mm-hmm. because that is a confusing thing that I'm trying to figure out and understand right now. So I spent time be, doing that. That as might well. be true for the practitioners as well. <laughs> it's very no <laughs> comment. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, two part question for you. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it wide open, so it could be about sales. It could be about whatever. So tell us about a time that you felt like the most successful, like you applied energy and effort to something and just like nailed it. Okay. So in 20, I think it was 2014 or 2014, I was not pregnant. 2014, uh, we get into a situation at, at the company I work at where I needed something else to go sell. Like I had kind of penetrated what I could sell into this. We had a kind of a very large target account that encompassed Mm -hmm. 4,000 small retail stores nationwide. Um, And I sold everybody everything I could sell with our current product stack. And I was screaming from the rooftop, we need this other thing or we need something. Let's, and I, and I did research and I came up with a business case. I'd never done anything like that before got it approved, but then I had to drive through the development and the execution and the product release of this actual thing. And, or, cause I needed it or I wasn't going to make money. <laughs> like I needed this thing to go sell. So to me, it was time well spent. And I learned a ton about different things involved with like launching and developing a new service, um, doing market research, customer research, um, and then was able to get it to market by the end of the third quarter. And I blew wow. my number out of the out of the water with it. And at the end of the year holiday party, it was super fun because I felt like Taylor Swift at the Grammys. I won so many company <laughs> awards. <laughs> and there's this one, it was called the get the money award. And that was the award that was given to, and it could be anybody in the company that came up with some sort of thing that drove, drove revenue and the client experience. And that is like, I was pretty young when I, I was, it was a big deal. I was very excited. I, I felt pretty That's, good about that. That is awesome. That is a big deal. Uh, to yeah, go from. it took me way outside of my comfort zone. I learned a lot of, of stuff. Um, yeah. And I think you then, got to know the customer, you learned new skills and it, and it wasn't just like inventing something out of a hat. It was like, no. this is a thing that, you know, I know the account well, cause I'm in it. And this is a, this is a service that could provide value. That's You're incredible. Right, Joe, George, like you speak to a good point, man. It takes courage. It takes personal courage and integrity to do sales correctly. Cause I think it's, it's a scary thing, dude. It's fucking scary to talk to a stranger 
who like supposedly has this like monster reputation is just going to chew you <laughs> up and spit you out. And you got to go in there hat in hand and try to have like a human conversation with them and forget all the reputation, forget all the hoopla your unsuccessful friends might have told you about. You got to go in there and treat it like it's a fresh start. I'm really, really excited about, you know, kind of your attitude about this whole thing because like, fuck man, I just, I wish more people would listen to kind of your approach to it, especially as someone you were saying you had a non-traditional non-STEM background, right? Yeah. Zero. Like I, I like technology is like my nemesis at the point that I started at Newsfire. You're, this is brilliant, George. This is a brilliant person. This is awesome. All I right. Say so that, the, but thank you. The, the, the flip side, Maria, is tell us about a time you landed flat, felt a sense of failure, what you learned from it. Yeah. So for me, I have a real hard, I don't know how to turn work off. It's a big problem. Um, so I'm, I'm always Word. on, if it, it got worse, I would say when COVID hit and now everybody's got my cell phone number and, and you're mm. just always available and it's like normal to be always available. I think in, in like the, the end of the first year of the pandemic, there was all of that stuff happened with solar winds and we had a lot of clients and, and new clients that were dealing with. Mm-hmm. issues and it was kind of around the clock working and my family life went right down the shitter real quick um because i was mm-hmm. stressed out i i was always i was always i had to take my laptop with me somewhere on christmas eve not because i have to it's not my job at all i have a great team <laughs> where i work mm-hmm. but i like when stuff happens i tend to be the first phone call even though people know that i can't really help them like i can't, i don't push buttons i don't know how to help you with any of the things you're dealing with you you have the phone number but they still want to talk to me um, and it got to a point where I, I was not doing a good job with my clients saying, Hey, this is like sacred time. Like I can't, I can't mm-hmm. do this right now. This is, this is between six and eight is dinner, bath, bed, whatever the case may be. Um, and I, I need you to respect that for me. I will be available at eight 30 at night and I will be available all day. Um, but I had to really like go spend a lot of money on some therapy to <laughs> Mm-hmm. learn that, how to do real. that and recognize like, Hey, this is starting to impact my marriage. My kids are like, mom, you're always working or why are you always on your phone? Um, and so I think that when I kind of hit that low point in that holiday season of 2020, uh, that was not great. I was not feeling success. I need to be successful at all of the things or at least mm-hmm. learning and growing in all of the things, including being a wife and a mother. And I was, I was failing in that area, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's real, real. Yeah, that's that's I think that's an important takeaway for people listening is like boundary setting, boundary setting, whether you're client side or sales side, I think is such a critical thing in this like emotionally enlightened era that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And people respect it. Like I, for the first time I had to say to somebody like, dude, you're crouching on my my time, man. He was like, why didn't you say that? I've been I've known you for five years. And I go, well, because you just this is when you text. So I'm used to it, but like, stop, text me before six and I'll answer. <laughs> so um, I think, and I think it's not, I'm not unique. I think a lot of people, whether your parents just not, what whatever you're doing outside of work, work has become so always on that we have to really make time for kind of ourselves and our families and such. So I'm a work in, work in progress. Yeah, I, there are two things going on, right? Like first, I think cyber as an industry has a little bit of the, the martyrdom that comes with it, right? We're all like in it to defend. There's a mission and there's there's a bit of valor in there and and being always on, even if it's I think we're we're beginning to work against that culturally. 
Um, and then if you're the person who's intrinsically motivated, which it sounds like you are, I mean, that's why you went to the links to develop a new product and new service. You feel that motivation. That is a, that is a difficult switch. And I, I would say it's not, I've learned something to switch off so much as you're switching the focus of that energy, right? You're yeah. trying to take that intrinsic motivation and then like, it's not just your job, but you can apply it into parenting or whatever else that yep. you want in your life. But yeah, that's a for great real. way to put it. Exactly that for sure. Uh, well, that is a great place to take a short break, but we will be right back with a brand new segment. We are back, and this episode, we are trying something new for the guests from the sales side, which we are calling the Sales Gauntlet. This is a rapid-fire round of common sales challenges. George and I will take turns putting them in front of you, Maria, and we want to hear like a one to two sentence answer as to how you would confront this challenge. Are you ready? Yes. Can I ask one question? Is this objections that we're getting like in the very first outreach or like a little bit later? Because I think that matters. That's a good question. I will leave it to you based on your experience. I think Excellent. we've picked we've picked a couple of things that you can hear mid-cycle, prospecting, wherever. All right, George, let's do it. All right, Maria, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Rock and roll, dudes. Okay, challenge number one. My budget is fully allocated for the year. What's it allocated on? Or where are any new additional spends coming from? Okay, my turn. No thanks, we have that covered already. How do you have it covered? Love it. I can't make a decision by myself. I have to speak to the other leaders before we can advance. What do I have to do to earn your trust to get a seat at the table with your leaders to help you with that? Can't talk now. Call back in six months. Why in six months? Jedi mind tricks this one. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, she's killing it. Someone else from your organization already tried to pitch me. I was not impressed. I probably wouldn't have been either. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> this is just oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Last one, last one. Um, I can't add anything new. We're trying to consolidate. I can help with that. God, there we have it. Sales gauntlet complete. Bro, six and oh, good job, Maria. Was that good? Like, I'm curious. That was so fucking feedback. good. Yeah, okay. good. Uh, there was no, there was no shaking under pressure. There was no, um, uh, feel like you, I, you had it. If I, so I had a coach one time that told me that anytime somebody gives you an objection that's filled with vagaries, which almost all of those were, you just double click and ask a question right back to unpack the vagary. So like, I already have budget allocated, allocated on what? Like, it's just, Love it. it's just the same yeah. as having a, like, I don't want McDonald's for dinner. Well, what would you like then? Like, it's the same as having a conversation. It's really kind of no different, I guess. I don't know. 
Good. I'm glad we can demystify that. Um, so, and I think sometimes just- the longer the answers are, I know when I am trying to get a response from somebody, the minute that they start talking and they keep like you just it's that was a yes or no, dude. I didn't need all that. Like just <laughs> get to the point. All right. Okay. Well, now we are rounding to home. It's the brass tax portion of the show, right? So we get to some concrete recommendations. Uh, George went first on the bare knuckle side, so I'll take this one. So I'm going to start general and and let's we'll progress to more specific brass tax. Okay. But first one, what's your number one piece of advice to impart on cybersecurity sellers starting out today? Like if you could just imbue, you know, one thing from your career to date, what would you tell them? Your buyers are humans, so treat them that way. They're no different from me or you, and we all we all drink milk. We all go to the bathroom. There, there's there's nothing special about the buyer. There's nothing special about the seller. It's a human interaction, just like any other interaction that you have. Nice. Perfect. I kind of following on the same idea. Um, imagine you're you're kind of coaching some newer sales folks. What is your mental recovery process when a discovery call or pitch doesn't go well? Like, how do you mentally get back on the horse, especially if you got another call, another client in the next hour? God, that's the freaking worst. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's, I I try to look at it just like I do anything. It's at bats, right? And you're not going to hit a, you're not going to hit a home run every single time you have a conversation. Um, I think especially for new sellers, um, it's critical. Your note-taking skills have to be on point. Like you need to be able to remember every single portion of the conversation. So if it didn't go bad, it didn't go the way that you want, when you do your postmortem, which you shouldn't do right after that call, if that call went bad, you get up, you go for a walk, you get away from your computer and you clear your head so you can come back and mm-hmm. do that. But when you do go back, you need to be able to look at the notes. Cause a lot of, I'm not, I don't record phone calls ever. I think that's weird and rude unless it's like way late. Way, way later stage and we're getting into some technical stuff. But when you go back through your notes, you need to be able to figure out what did you miss? Why did this go poorly? And then learn from it and pivot. And sometimes I've even had it happen where I realize exactly where it went poorly. And I'll send a message back to the person and say, I screwed this up. I think when you asked me this question, I didn't handle it correctly. And I'm wondering if you'd give me another shot to answer it. When you said this, what were you asking and why? So I can better respond. And people are actually, again, CISOs and security buyers are human too, and they tend to treat people like humans too. And if you just are a human and own the mistake, sometimes that you can use that as a learning experience. It might not go anywhere, but at least you know kind of how to deal with it for the next time. So I think if you're going to lose, learn from it and move on, get going, yeah. just like you do with sports. It's the same thing. 100. I will echo the note taking also because other people in your organization eventually need it, right? Like your notes, which probably go into a CRM somewhere are useful for product managers. It's useful for the marketing team. It's useful for other parts of the team. And when I see these notes that are like one line, it's so aggravating because it's like, there's nothing to learn from this interaction. I love when a seller asks me to look at an account because they need help. And I go in and look at the notes and I'm like, what? (laughs) Have you talked to them, Matt? Like what? You know, what's interesting is on the on the client side, as a CISO, if I'm particularly interested in what I'm getting pitched, I will furiously write notes, and that's like something I've done since school because Mm -hmm. that's how I learn is I I write it out. Um, Obviously, like we talked about earlier in one of the questions, 
as and most CISOs have to go to stakeholders. Yeah, they have to go to a CIO or you have to go to like a legal officer or you got to go to a board. Like there's a process to get approved. You have to effectively become an internal salesperson for the thing you want to buy. If mm-hmm. I don't learn what you're trying to pitch me, no matter how cool I think it is, if I can't articulate that, it's all dead in the water. A hundred percent. And I think one of the things that is the most important is when you get to that stage, it is like super, I, it's something I, I try to do every time is if I'm not going to be able to tell my narrative to the group, the, the buying committee, if I'm not going to get access, which nowadays I never get access to the buying committee, that, that's not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Sellers get, we gotta, we've got to rely on our internal internal champion, I usually am like, okay, we're going to book 30 minutes and you're going to pitch me what we're talking about. I want to hear your presentation. I want to hear how you're going to do it. Let's make sure there's no gaps in it. And I will also usually do the heavy lifting in terms of, all right, how do you present? Do we need a PowerPoint? Are we talking PDFs? Do you need graphs? What are we, what are you going to need? You tell me, get me your template and I'll build it for you. That way, one, I'm showing I'm a partner because I am, mm-hmm. but two, I'm ensuring I'm doing the best to, to, I, I, no one's going to be able to sell my stuff. Like I can sell it. I'm very good at it. Right. Um, but the next best thing is to ensure that the person doing it on my behalf is set up for success so that we're both successful. And usually when you say that to people, they're very on board with like, wow, really, that'd be great. That'd be super helpful. And then you workshop it, make sure that they're prepared and ready to go. And that we've, we've handled any objections that they're going to get. It's no different than it's a sales gauntlet for the, for the, for the, for the buyer, basically. That's great. Um, okay. So if you had to pick only two, what are your top go-to discovery questions? They're weird. <laughs> love it. I love it already. Um, I They're very easy. How can I help you? Or what are you having problems with? You know, that's all it takes. That's yeah. literally all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you, what are your pain points? And and I I usually also, when I get on calls with people, one of the first things I do ask is, how do you like to be engaged? Like, what, how do you want me to engage with you? Like, so I understand Mm kind of who you are. And there's a lot of stuff you can get off LinkedIn to understand who the bombs are, like that hate salespeople. I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to pull up a PowerPoint for those people. But if I understand, you know, people like to be engaged. I usually say I like facts. I like to be direct. I want to talk to practitioners and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I got it. I can do all of those things. How can I help you today? Let me just close it off. This is the last question for brass tax. Okay. Pretend to be a recruiter for a minute, right? What would be your pitch for getting someone to shift their career into cyber sales? Oh, great question. Why do you do what you do? I don't know what else. I don't know what else, I don't know what else I could sell anywhere that has changed as much as this has changed, Um, even in terms, not just the technology, but where it sits, right? It used to always be with IT. Now we're talking about risk and just so the whole thing has changed. I've had to evolve as a seller about probably 10 times in 10 years because the, the, there's paradigm shifts constantly. So if you're somebody that likes to just collect a paycheck and do transactional sales and that kind of stuff, cyber is probably not for you because that's just not what this is. If you're somebody that likes to be challenged, likes to learn, and you don't have to be a technologist, you don't. I, I, I know I know vodka. I do not know tech. Okay, but <laughs> um, if if you want to be challenged, if you want to continue to evolve, if you want to 
sit here and look at all the things in the landscape and go, all right, what I did last year isn't going to work this year. Now what do I do? And, and kind of have to figure that stuff out and figure out how to do it quickly and be the best at it. Cyber is the place to be. The other thing I would say about cyber is the community fucking kicks ass. Like I love the community that, uh, that we have in, in this industry. It's a wonderful community. So I'm going to spin this around for one sec. George, same question to you, bud. Wah. Someone comes to you and they're not in cyber and they're like, I'm thinking about getting into sales. How do you pitch them? Okay. Just disclaimer audience. I didn't know this fucker was going to do this. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> this surprised me in my own goddamn podcast. Um, that was a good question. I'd probably be something similar to what Maria said. Look, the mission is noble. You know, we're getting our lunch eaten by cybercrime. And this is an exciting space that's always changing. And you have to learn. And if you are just an intrinsically motivated person, I think this is a great place for you. And also, like Maria said, I didn't come to, I came to cyber through a side door, I think like most of us. Um, and in the short time that I've been here, I have found it to be very welcoming, but on both sides and it's been amazing. Great. I want to get in sales. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get into sales. <laughs> okay. We're going to end the podcast with the CISO saying that he wanted to get into sales. So <laughs> thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been a great episode of Bare Knuckles and Brass Hacks. Thank you, Maria, for the time. It has been a blast. Yes. Appreciate thank you, you so You're much. Awesome. I'm looking forward to see you guys at RSA. It'll be fun. That's it for Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks this week. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a rating or a review and share on all your socials. It helps others find the show. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.